Good evening. Good to see everybody back who can make it back tonight. One of my friends asked me, they saw this picture that I posted on Facebook about the sermon series, and they said, is that a typo? Was it supposed to mean uh, lessons from a young preacher? And I said, ha you're sweet. No. No, it's not a typo. It's about Timothy, and so that kind of sparked a little conversation about that. But uh, tonight, uh, we're going to turn our attention. We're going to stay in 1 Timothy chapter 1, if you want to turn over there, verses 12 through 17 tonight. And um, we're going to look at an example, an example of uh, would-be believers. Every person, you were once in this category, you may still be in this category, um, that are not disciples of Christ. Thoughts and questions that you may have about uh, your, your faith, about whether or not God would save you, those types of things. So tonight I want to ask a couple of questions that you just, I just want you to think about. Um, keep in the back of your minds, think about them, reflect on them as you go throughout the week. Are you or someone you know, someone who has contemplated becoming a Christian but ever wondered, would God really forgive you for the terrible things that you've done? Could you live the kind of life that God desires of you? These are questions that many people struggling with the gospel, struggling, trying to decide whether or not they should obey the gospel, think about. This evening I'd like to turn our attention to a man who serves as a great example of the grace and mercy that is available for you, a great example of the faith and love that you can have in Jesus. You may have heard of this man. His name is Paul. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12-17, through 17, where again we'll focus our lesson this evening, Paul details how his own conversion is a pattern for would-be believers. He does this first in demonstrating the grace of our Lord and then by demonstrating the faith and love in Jesus. Let's read verses 12 through 17. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience in an example, or as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. So Paul starts out, and he wants, to, he wants his readers to take note of his former life. He says this in verse 13. He says that he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and insolent or violent opponent. Paul references his past many times in his letters. He uses his past, just as Hosea did, as a living object lesson for those who would be coming to God. At the end of Acts chapter 7 and the beginning of chapter 8, we see that Paul, then named Saul, was present and consented to the death of Stephen. 
And then he laid into the persecution of the church. Starting at Acts chapter 7, verse 58, Then they cast him out of the city, speaking of Stephen, and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his execution. Continuing now in verse uh, 1 of Acts chapter 8. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, but Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Paul persecuted and persecuted. He jailed and sometimes even killed those who believed in Jesus Christ, those who were members of his church. He persecuted Christians even to Damascus. He persecuted Christians to the point of imprisonment and death. Listen to his words in Acts chapter 26, verses 9 through 11. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priest, but that... Uh, but, the, uh, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. He sentenced them to death. And I punished them often in, uh, in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury, in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Paul says that his mission, his goal, that he confessed even over in his letter to the church in Galatia, that he wanted to destroy the church completely. So when Paul, in verse 15 here, 1 Timothy chapter 1, when Paul calls himself the foremost sinner, he believes it wholeheartedly. Now I've heard many men of faith call themselves the worst sinner of all, just as Paul does. And really, when it comes down to it, a sinner is the worst sinner of all. It doesn't matter what sin you've committed. Being a sinner is the worst sinner of all. But even so, as he says in verses 14 and verse 16, the grace of our Lord overflowed for him with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, that through Paul, the foremost sinner, he received mercy so that Jesus might display his Perfect patience as an example to others. So what about your life? Have you committed sin? Sure. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Perhaps you're a good, moral person like the Ethiopian eunuch or Cornelius, or, uh, who is the centurion in, in uh, the book of Acts, or, or Lydia the merchant. Or maybe you're like Paul, and you're a murderer, a blasphemer, etc. Hopefully nobody in here is that, but either way, Jesus came into this world, as Paul writes in verse 15, to save sinners. If we have all sinned and fallen short, then Jesus came for everyone. 
the false doctrine of predestination or being chosen by God to be saved is completely nonsense. And it's fully debunked with verse 15, along with numerous others throughout the Bible. For the grace of our Lord is exceedingly abundant. God is long-suffering. He is patient. We talked about that this morning with Hosea. Paul's example and teaching here to the young preacher should be enough of a pattern and example to let you know that if, if everlasting life is available to you or those that you care for have questions about these things, Paul's pattern, Paul's example is something that applies to all would-be believers because we all sin, we all fall short of the glory of God, and Jesus came to save all sinners. And as I mentioned before, being a sinner makes you the worst sinner possible because there is no greater or lesser sin. Lying to your boss about something is just as bad as killing someone to God. I know that sounds ridiculous in human terms, but we're not talking about a human deity. We're talking about God. All sin is equal to Him. It's sin, period. There's no sin too great, no crime so heinous that cannot be forgiven by the grace of our Lord. The conversion of Paul serves as evidence to that matter. No matter who you are or what you've done, you can be saved. You can be forgiven. Paul also serves as a pattern demonstrating the faith and love in Jesus. Note Paul's long history of service to Christ. Paul says here in verse 12 that it was Jesus who judged him faithful and put him to work in the ministry. It was Jesus who did that. Jesus did this so Paul could bear witness for what He had seen and to turn people from the power of Satan and turn them towards God. Listen here in Acts chapter 26 again, verses 16 through 18 this time. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to to those (coughs) in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul's knowledge of the old law, being a Pharisee as he was, knowing what he knew about the Scriptures and and the revealed understanding of the new covenant that Christ provided to him, what better vessel, what better person to teach and be an example to the Jews and the Gentiles to tell them of the better sacrifice, of the better covenant, of the better hope that he has found in Christ Jesus. Paul became a pattern of the faith and love that is possible in Christ because he cooperated with the grace of God to obey the gospel. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul detailed ways in which he exuded the faith and love possible in Jesus. First in Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 15, he says, "Not that I have already obtained or uh, ab- obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own." Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, 
forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. He strived to be the best that he could be, no matter what. He forgot his past just as Christ forgave His past and forgot the past sins as well. He strived to be the best He could be, not for His own glory or good, but for the glory and good of God, for the proliferation of the gospel of Christ. Now in the next chapter, Philippians chapter 4, Paul details how he learned to be content and where he found his strength. Starting in verse 11, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Boy, isn't that a lesson the world needs to hear today. I know how to be, uh, I know how to be brought, verse 12, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Now, we've all heard that verse. We see it tattooed on athletes. We see them wear it on their eye black. We see them yell it on the street corner. I'm good at what I do because I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. That's not what this means. If you read the whole verse, if you get the whole context, you understand that the things that we can do in this life, we do for God. And if we're doing things for God's glory, that's the things that He's going to give us the strength to do. Those are the things that He is going to allow us to persevere and pursue. So I hope that you can see that Paul provides a great example of life, a life of faith and, and love that, it, that leads to peace. So what about your life? If you're already a Christian, are you experiencing the faith and love that is found in Christ? Faith that comes from the Word of God, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And love that comes from being taught of God. A love that Paul informs the Thessalonians about in his first letter to them, chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. The love that we have in Christ is something that we are taught by being around others who are experiencing faith and love in Christ. That's why it's important to not forsake the assembling together, to not forsake the fellowship. Are you experiencing this faith and love that is, that is Christ? Are you following the pattern of Paul? cooperating with the grace of God to turn away from sin? Are you pressing onward towards spiritual maturity? Are you faithful to whatever ministry the Lord places upon you? Meaning if God presents opportunities for you to share your faith, to invite someone to a Bible study or to worship, are you taking advantage of the opportunity and remain faithful to the call of Jesus, the command of Jesus to go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Jesus commanded. Consider these things this week as you go throughout your work week, 
and you're presented with these kind of opportunities. If you're not a Christian, or if there's someone that you know who's not a Christian, why not share this with them? Why not share the example of Paul and allow them to take a step of faith like Paul did? He did as the Lord commanded him. But the difference is is that Jesus came to him personally on the road to Damascus. Jesus comes to you today in his word, pleading, urging you to start anew. Pleading, urging, commanding you to go into the world and make disciples, to spread the gospel. Walk by faith and not by sight, just as Paul did. Why not accept the love that is available in Jesus? Will you not let Paul's example move you to grow in faith and love? Now finally, back to our verse where we focused our lesson this evening. Take note that Paul was moved to respond to the grace of Jesus in two ways. In verse 12, it says, I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord. He thanked Jesus Christ. In verse 17, to the, king of all, uh, to the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He praised God. The grace of Jesus should move us to be thankful, should move us to praise. And I hope Paul's example can teach us all something this evening that will transform our thinking and change our focus as we go about our week. I pray that we may respond to the grace of God in the same way by thanking God, by obeying the gospel of Christ, by praising God, by obeying His commands, by growing in the grace and knowledge of Him through our assembling together and in our own private studies of His Word. Tonight, if we can help you with any of these things or if you wish to be baptized for the remission of your sins, please come while we stand and sing.